0: It's time for the Simple Church Music Podcast. Here is your host, Julie Oled. Hello everyone and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Simple Church Music Podcast. It's been a little while since we have put out an episode so I'm so grateful to be back today bringing you some content. Now I will say that this episode in particular is different than any other episode I've done thus far and what I'm actually providing you today is a clip of a music workshop that I presented at earlier this year. And um, it was called the Simply Worship Music Workshop. And we had that in our district um, to help specifically our NAM, that's our North American Missions churches that are generally smaller and have fewer resources. So this music workshop perfectly aligned with the vision that Um, I have for this podcast, which is to minister to and to give encouragement and also to give really practical help for those of us who are in the trenches trying to have effective and efficient music ministries in a smaller church context. So a couple things before I play the clip for you today. Obviously, you know that if you've attended a conference the manner of speaking, of course, is going to be a little bit different. I'm presenting in front of an audience. There will likely be references to people in the room or things that are coming before or after the the uh, particular session that I'm in the middle of. So if you'll just please give me some grace for all of that. I also want to say that I was pressed for time, not because anyone was pressing me for time, but because... I had a lot of material to present and I was not the only presenter. So I listened to myself as I was preparing this episode. I listened to the clip and I thought, wow, I really sound out of breath. And so I am speaking quickly, trying to get in the information I wanted to share. Without further ado, let's get right to it. Having an efficient and effective mindset for your music ministry. Well, just to echo, I am so honored to be here this morning, and uh, like he said, the heartbeat that I started having when we moved about seven years was like, man, you know, smaller churches, we can have great music, right? And I know many of you do, maybe all of you do, and this is just to take it to that next level maybe. But um but like he said, you know, resources and conferences even are geared often towards a larger, more established church. And we have to be a little savvy in our context. Sometimes we don't have the people we don't have like three keyboardists, three drummers, three bass players. So when some, you're laughing because I don't even have one. (laughs) And so sometimes we have to be creative. And, and so that is the heartbeat behind this conference, as he said, and I don't want to be redundant, but just, just figuring out how to be savvy in our context and still have good music. So in this age of social media, i think that has changed things a little bit for all of us where there was pressure before uh in the 90s you know i guess 80s and 90s the era of big choirs and stuff so like and big music conferences and all of that there was pressure then for sure i i remember feeling that pressure uh, but but it felt like that was like for your choir big you know that kind of thing um and we didn't have social media to have that direct comparison But now, in this age, we can watch each other's live stream. We can watch the churches of a thousand, their live stream, and then be like, okay, Lord, you know, and so I think that that has, um, I don't think all pressure is bad. So sometimes that pressure, you know, encourages us to up our ante a little bit. And I think that's good, but it also can put an undue amount of strain and stress and say, You know, that that music team literally has 50 people, like he said, you know, and how can we replicate that? So that that is the idea. I think this whole workshop idea today is the case for excellence, but intentionality with what we have, using what we have in a smart way, and it's efficiency, the most efficient and effective that we can be in our context. So the first session today is how to simplify songs for worship. And I woke up this morning and I told my husband, I said, you know what? I don't even know if this first session is going to be helpful for anyone, but it really speaks to me. So I hope that you get something from it. I am a perfectionist by nature. Um, and and over time, I'm married to someone who is not a perfectionist. Um, different ways, I guess I should say. Oh, he's coming to defend himself, I see. <laughs> he's OCD, but not perfectionist. That's not the same thing. But um, But you know what? You're streaming this anyway. Um, but over time, though, and maturity sets in and we realize, OK, this is how I, I guess I've even always been this way, even in a larger church context where I want to make efficient use of our volunteers time. What really bothers me, okay, so I'm going to get on my soapbox right here at the very beginning, but really what bothers me is we're all, most all of us are volunteering, and then we are working with volunteers, and we're giving to the Lord of our time because we care, we have, we feel this is our call to ministry, or we're just willing to to do it. And so what I don't, what, what is not part of my philosophy is sitting for two hours and trying to get that one run or lick down okay so that's I I may already be stepping into some territory there but I feel like especially when we're in a small church context where not only um, do we have limited people but often those people who are involved in our departments are also in the Sunday school department and also in the media department and also we all wear lots of hats and so to me what I feel so strongly is I want to be efficient I want to care for you I want to care for your time so I have to evaluate how important is this liquor run? Is this worth two hours of us working on or an hour? You know, or is it more important for me to be uh, creative in how we still maintain the integrity of the song? We want the song to be excellent. We want it to be good, but but be efficient in how I use the time. And so that's kind of where all of this, Came from this morning, I will say, um, simplifying, like I say right there, is not an excuse for laziness or sloppiness, so I'm certainly not advocating that today. This is coming from the direction of, of intentionality and excellence and efficiency. Um, and so, like I said, just a reality check to maximize our efficiency and effectiveness because we're all short on time. So that's what this is today. But we all want to have good music. And like I said, you know, we all also have that comparison situation going on, whether or not we want to ignore it. It's there, you know, out there on social media. So that does matter um, at least a little bit. And so we want to be we want it to be good. And I think. The Lord has called us to be good, as good as we can be. And so, like I say, it's not, it's not an excuse, but the Lord has called us to be good, uh, as good as we can, but also efficient with our time. When I was a choir director, there was a seasoned choir director and in, in our district, when I was a choir director in the school, and she said this, pick your music. We always had to go to UIL. Do y'all know what UIL is? Okay. Yeah. Lots of nods. So it's kind of like this big, what they do for testing, academic testing for uh, academics in the school system. This is like for the choir band, whatever, where you have judges sitting back there. Like, have you done your stuff this, this year? And you had to sing three songs anyway. She always said, when you pick your songs, you're actually picking your ratings. And I really, that sunk into me. So in a church context, what does that mean? From the very beginning, number one pick easier songs to begin with. Okay. So again, efficiency, effectiveness, how we're going to be effective in our context. Then we need to be intentional with what songs we select to begin with. We need to think about our team. Okay. We need to think about our church. Is this going to work in our context? If not, then, then I, even though I love this song, I jam out to this song. This is a great song, but maybe this is not going to work for us. And maybe this is going to be if you, if I can say it this way, a waste of time for us to try. So let's think about who my vocals are. Maybe it's just me. Whatever it is, I need to figure out. Pick easier songs. Now, easier for me may be e- different, easier for you. So we just, again, you have to know yourself and be intentional with that. But again, sometimes um, I know I've done this the wrong way before. Picked a song that was way too complicated, way too hard. We try to do it. The music teams feels really, like, insecure anyway. And so the church feels that, right? The, the church is looking at you like... Uh. And you're like, I'm sorry, we and then you know, after that church is over, you're like, okay, not doing that one again. That was just that was too big of a reach, too much to think about, you know, because right, we want to worship too. So when we pick something too complicated and we don't have a team that has a regular practice time because everybody's working, or we have a creative Practice schedule or whatever it is again back to that efficiency mindset. Maybe I love that song But I just know we can't do it or we can't do it yet I'm going to put it on the list for the future when God sends people to our team But right now can't do it. Okay, so picking easier songs to begin with for me fewer lyrics fewer parts a limited vocal range Y'all need to pay attention to that Because that will that'll get you (laughs) You start to sing a song and you're like, oh, oh, oh," you know, up, up, way up in the rafters and down. That's hard, hard for the congregation to sing to. So all those things need to be considered. Simple chords, simple rhythms. So straightforward. So when you're listening, this is so much on the part of the music director to be intentional. When you're listening to music to teach, you kind of need a little checklist. Okay. How, how wordy is this? Can we learn this quickly? You know, um. Can can our congregation pick up on this quickly? How how complicated are rhythms? Rhythms well, is another thing that kind of sneaks up on you. If the words are really syncopated, and if you don't know the word syncopated just means it's off the beat. It's not really on the beat, predictable, kind of like hymns, but it's off the beat. And so sometimes that's harder to catch. So just thinking with intention, when you're thinking, oh, I really love this song. Now let me go back and listen with the ears of a music director, thinking about our team, where we are right now in our context, and then see if these things, um, if I can check these things off. So follow a predictable and pleasing pattern. I know I'm kind of breaking this down into a real, you know, nuts and bolts thing. But this is kind of how I think. Does it follow a predictable pattern? If a song is beautiful, but then like there's, have y'all heard those songs that are like in a major key? And then all of a sudden the bridge goes into this weird minor mode and you're like, I don't know if that fits the song. So sometimes that's, you know, again, either throw out the bridge or just don't do the song. Um, catchy or well-known. So again, there's so many things to this that is about mindset, right? It's our mindset as the music director. And sometimes we need to throw off some mindsets and say... Oh, everybody's doing that song. I don't want to do that. No, if everybody's doing it, there might be a reason. If it's well known, then there might be a reason to do it there. Let's not just have mental blocks that prevent us from being effective in our ministry. So when we're listening to music, um, I think that all of these things can be taken into consideration. So pick your songs, pick your ratings be intentional that first time. Now, I don't want to be unspiritual and say, you know, sometimes there are songs that just speak and your church is in a season where you know this is the song we need to sing. And so then, numbers two through five is where we start to make it easier. So maybe you pick a harder song or something that you might not normally pick, but spiritually you feel like your church needs it and this is where we need to go. But how can we still be efficient and effective with that song? So number two, uh, eliminate unnecessaries. So we have all heard songs where you're like, man, that part's amazing, but I don't really like that one part. That's just lame. It doesn't fit in the song. Feel free to cut those things out. Eliminate that again, a mindset shift. I don't have to do it exactly like so. And so again, I'm bringing it into my context. I still want it to be excellent. I still want it to be powerful, but I don't have to do it exactly like this huge 50 people music team, okay? So extra verses, I mean, you guys can think through all this. Extra verses, unhelpful bridges... So things that, that you know, they just kind of tagged on there to, because they knew the song needed a bridge, but you know, it doesn't really sound right. Unhelpful bridge, uh, pare down your vocal parts. I would so much rather hear a powerful unison that everybody is singing. Oh, brother Johnson is feeling it right now. Yes. I would so much rather hear a powerful unison where you're saying the words together because that's a feat in itself, right? You're saying the words together and, and you have a beautiful blended tone then people making up parts and around the part and close to the part and somewhere in the middle, you know, and, and again, back to time, right? It's the efficiency of time. So if your team is not to the point right now where someone's catching it quick, catching those parts, they can hear harmony, boom, got it. Um, then if your team is doing that great, do the parts, but if you're not there yet, I think you train and you say, okay, we're going to spend 15 minutes. And we're going to try to do parts on this one section of the chorus. Okay, we're going to spend 15 minutes. We're going to do that. And then the rest of it, we're going to be a powerful unison and and let that message go out to the church. Because, again, we're thinking in a live church setting, I don't want to be thinking about the parts. As a music director, if the parts are not right, my ear, I'm so distracted, like I can't worship anyway. I'm like giving that dirty look to the person who's off, like, you know. You know, (laughs) in my old church, they knew the look They're Oh, did you get the look today? Yes, I got the look today. Like the shaking head, the frown. So I'd rather not be distracted. Let's just do again. We don't want to inhibit worship. So let's just do what we can do with excellence. We know we can cut fancy intros and interludes um, or just abbreviate them to just to make it so that, again, efficient, effective use of time. Number three, divide and conquer. So if you have a great soloist, it's okay to just give them this part, give another person this part. Because again, if we don't have the time to get the words together, then maybe you just need to do that part. Because again, back to excellence. So an efficient use of time. So maybe we give some parts to soloists, uh, let one musician do a special riff instead of all of us trying to get it together. And so again, it's just it's. It's all about intentionality, kind of being a tactician, assessing your team, best use of your team, best use of your time, and the most effective way to do something in worship. Number four, go with the flow. I have had to learn this one. My husband can testify. I've had to learn this one. If your team naturally falls into something and it keeps the style of the song. So I have those disclaimers there. It still keeps the style of the song. And it sounds good. You can just go with it. I, I have learned um, coming to Pflugerville, there was already an established music team that was small. And they learned songs before I got there. And they learned them their way. And it worked. And it flowed, so instead of me coming in like a flood and a hurricane, no, that's not the way the song goes, because that would be my natural bent as a perfectionist. What are y'all doing? Have you listened to the song? No, instead of that, I just said, you know what? It's going to be easier for me just to fall in with what y'all are doing, and I'm going to do it that way, because it's already working, the church is used to it, and, and it's going to be easier for me to flex myself and fit y'all so even now though I will say when we're learning new music now we might sometimes don't you hate how (laughs) don't you hate I shouldn't say it that way but like they'll do the chorus one way and then they'll do the chorus almost that way but slightly different and then the third time they do the chorus now they've really ramped it up and embellished it you know if we can't if we can't get the choruses like this we're like you know what Let's just keep it, keep the chorus the same way every time, and we just flow with it. Um, also, now because social media has obviously the positive side as well, look for other arrangements and versions of the song. So when you decide, ooh, I really like the message of this, the lyrics are good, go look for every version you can find, um, not just on YouTube, but our friend's you know, our, our live streams and see what's there because I heard someone the other day say we church it up. So you never know. Okay. Number five, this is a biggie, big, 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 big kind of everything hinges on this approach your rehearsal with intention. Yeah, you need to learn the song very well yourself, almost to the point of memorization, because you really can't tweak a song until you know it first. So it sounds like I'm saying two different things, but I think y'all understand. You learn it first and say, okay, this is what they do. This is where they transition. Uh, this is where they do that embellishment, whatever, whatever. And then you're so confident when you come into a practice that you say, you know, they do it this way, but I've already decided that's not best use of our time. So we're going to cut that part out. Um, and, and so you have to know it well coming into it. A song feels exponentially more difficult to learn when the teacher is insecure. And I have learned that the hard way because I haven't done it right. I've kind of been just scooting along on my talent, like, okay, we're going to learn this song. Oh wait, let's go back and listen again. Let's all listen to how that goes again. You know, and we've all been on the other side of it before as a team member and how frustrating that is, right? Like, You knew this practice was coming. You called this practice a month ago. And now I'm sitting here while you learn it. So, again, efficiency effective. And so we want to make sure that we feel very, very prepared for our rehearsals. Um, Highlight to yourself and your team already the challenging places. Listen to the song multiple times, but listening for different things. Okay? So we can all listen to stuff in the car. And that's washing over our head and we're getting the melody there maybe. But until you sit down and do what we call active listening, where you're like, okay, I'm listening to the bass part now. Okay, I'm going to have to tell my bass player. That's going to be tricky. You might have to listen with headphones. Sometimes the bass is hard to hear and like in the car or on a speaker. But you want to go through and kind of listen to each part. Again, if that falls on you to teach everything, then you want to listen to each part and do that active listening. Transitions, that's where we drop it most often, right? If you're ever watching a church and they have a blooper, it's usually because it was a transition that was missed. Either someone got the wrong signal or somehow the rhythm was messed up, words messed up. So transitions are a really important thing to practice tricky words and rhythms, and then learn fewer songs more thoroughly. So again, back to my own personal philosophy, instead of learning, you know, we're going to learn a song every two weeks, boom, 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 and everything is only like 50% learned, then nobody feels good about that. Also, you have to think about the aspect of your church. How many new songs can your church really absorb in a year? Think about that. How many times have you listened to a song to learn it? When you come in to sing it on a Sunday morning, it could be the first time anybody in your church has heard that. And so they're looking at the words, they're listening, they don't know it yet, okay? So if you're doing a brand new song every two weeks, nothing's hitting effectively. Because to for them, it's the same thing. For your church to worship to a song, they need to have a level of comfort with it too. So... You know, sing a new song, and then maybe two weeks later, later, you bring that new song back again. And maybe two weeks later, you bring it back again. Again, we, I think, we get into a mindset where, oh, I just did that song, can't do it again. You know, and, and I, there's some truth to that. But there's also the truth of, like, your church just getting comfortable with a song. And and when I'm comfortable, I worship more freely. So I think, again, back to that word, comf- comfortable and intentional. Okay, so what is important to keep like the original? So here's kind of where everything hinges because maybe we might naturally throw things out that are too hard. But here's where I think the excellence part slips sometimes is that we say, you know, we want to make best use of our time, and we do. But again, if it's not going to be a use, if it's not going to be an excuse for laziness or sloppiness, then we, ha- there are some things that we need to strive to keep the same. Um, because if we're going to sing songs that people hear on the radio, they need to be able to recognize that in our church. <laughs> Okay, so um, because, again, um, we we want people to feel welcomed, comfortable, all of that. So, number one, these are things that I think are important that you don't need to throw out. Number one, the relative actual tempo of the song. So, if the song is slow, then it needs to, when you do it, it needs to be slow or slow-ish. It needs to be on the slow side. Um, number two is kind of related to number one, the appropriate style and feel. And I have an example there of You Keep Hope Alive. And if you haven't heard this song, you're going to hear it in a minute, but if you haven't heard the song, it's it's kind of like a sort of a low-key gospel feel. You keep hope alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning to end. And that's how it goes. But I have a friend who said she moved to a certain place in the United States. And she said she went into the church and they were singing like this, you keep hope alive. You keep hope alive. Well, that is not, that is not at all what they would hear on the radio by church of the city or anything like that. So to me, again, excellence, intentionality, we need to keep the style and the feel close. Again, you make it your own, but you're doing someone else's song. You didn't write it, correct? So if you didn't write it, then we do that's what people are comfortable with and familiar. So again, not exact, but we need to be close on the tempo, close on the style, keeping that. <clears throat> the basic structure and order of the song, again, you want it to be predictable. We want people to be comfortable in worship. So you want that basic structure to be there. Um, the ebb and flow, the very important climactic moments of the song, those need to be there. Because a song, uh, music is always going somewhere or going away from somewhere. If it's stagnant, then that's really boring and hard to worship to and hard to listen to, unless in those special moments maybe of prayer or something like that. But if you're listening, I mean, I think sermons are that way too. Almost every kind of, if you want to call it this art type thing, it's going somewhere and moving away. It's literature, that climax moment. And so the same thing in our songs, When we, we want to keep those, those climactic moments in the song going to and going away. And then the majority of the lyrics. So we know we want it to be doctrinally accurate, but, uh, don't, don't just change everything unless, you know, I guess there's special circumstances where you could do that. But, but those five things I think need to, we need to be intentional about keeping those things. And then the rest of that stuff we can simplify for worship. All right, and that's it. I hope that you gleaned something that is just going to help revolutionize your ministry. Uh, make your life easier. Uh, I will link to the song that I referenced and I will also link to my email address because I'm sure as you're listening, some of you have great ideas to add to the list that I shared today. So I would love to hear from you and uh, also just to let me know how this ministry is impacting you and, and some, some helpful suggestions in ways that it could be even more helpful and more inspiring. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening, and we hope you are inspired, uplifted, and given new tools and ideas to use in your local church follow Simple Church Music on Facebook for more encouragement and to reach out if you like to be a guest on the podcast. We'll see you next time.